The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 608 for February 4th, 2018. Google completes its HTC acquisition, iPhone 7 price cuts, and to Oreo or not to Oreo. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. First in the news, Nokia announcing new 5G chipsets that will triple the throughput of base stations while drastically slashing power consumption. The Reef Shark chipsets bring together Nokia's antennas with artificial intelligence to push the performance of base stations. Nokia says the Reef Shark chips were designed for plug and play with its existing airscale baseband module. The basebands will only require the software update to accommodate the Reef Shark chips and can be updated to full 5G when needed. Nokia says it will also be able to cut the size in half of the MIMO array in the chipsets, which reduces the power consumption by up to 64%. Reef Shark triples base station performance from 28 to 84 gigabits per second per module, and chaining together six of those baseband modules will support throughput speeds as high as 6 terabits per second on a single base station. Nokia says 30 operators have committed to Reef Shark, which it will deploy starting in the third quarter. Google on Tuesday said it has completed the acquisition of select assets from HTC. The deal includes portions of HTC's handset design team, among other properties. Google has worked with HTC to develop the Pixel 2 smartphone, which of course was released last year. They said, as our hardware business enters its third year, we remain committed to building and investing for the long run. And today we start digging in with our new teammates. So uh, HTC's hardware team will remain in Taiwan and the acquisition is the official Google expansion into Taipei, uh, now the largest Google engineering site in the Asia-Pacific region. Also from Google, the company added its name to the growing number of companies that support the Open Active Stylus standard. So this officially uh, joining the Universal Stylus Initiative along with 3M Lattice Semiconductor, uh, Max I Smart Technologies, MyScript, and Tactical Labs. Uh, the USI, which was first a spec last year, says more than uh, 30 member contributors are now involved. It was formed in 2015 for the purpose of developing and promoting the industry spec for an active stylus. It has uh, hardware makers to able to take advantage of the non-propriety active stylus protocol, ensuring compatibility between devices made by different companies. In uh, other words, consumers can buy a stylus made by one of the companies and be confident that it will work with uh, the hardware made by another company. The spec also introduced the ability for multiple styluses to work together on a single strain, screen, and it can handle up to 4,096 points of pressure to enable a variety of use cases. The USI 1.0 spec can be implemented on phones, tablets, computers, or other touch-based platforms. It, the timing of this is kind of funny because it, it seems to be like, oh, well, let's see, Apple now released a stylus, so we better uh, make sure we can can kind of compete with that. And of course, this is something that should have existed years ago, but uh, the interest in stylus is still very, very tiny. Uh, you know, you have certain, you know, Windows computers, uh, uh, car dealers sometimes use the uh, tablet style computers with styluses. And uh, other than that, you don't see them too uh, used too much. And uh, of course, you know, the, the Apple Pencil is one thing that's uh, uh, gained some uh, traction here recently, but it's not still something that everybody goes out and buys uh, with their iPad Pros, right, Mickey? Right, exactly. And it's interesting because the, um, you know, the only times I ever see an Apple Pencil actually being used are by someone who's either testing it out, i.e. they've just received this thing or purchased this thing and are, you know, trying to figure out how to use it, 
or in like promotional type of situations for, you know, you're, you're using it to, uh, you know, sign something as an example, uh, and you're signing up for something, i.e. promotional. So, um, but other than that, I don't see them used regularly. And I know that's a, everybody's use case is going to be different. There's probably people that say, oh, I see it used every single day. And that's because you happen to be in an environment where the thing is used every day, but just kind of in general out and about, like, I always think about Starbucks or an airport as kind of like the, you know, what is the actual person out there doing? And I, I, I rarely see people. In fact, I can't even remember the last time I saw somebody out and about at a Starbucks as an example with an Apple pencil. Absolutely. And, if, you know, going back to this actual standard here, it, it you know, an active stylus definitely does make a big difference to, um, you know, to the accuracy and to having more points of pressure and to have the angle sensor, um, you know, those things that are within the Apple Pencil that have, you know, tried out. It, it does really improve the experience uh, other than just being, a, you know, a straight up digitizer for, uh, you know, like a stylus where basically it's, it's kind of replicating a mouse cursor instead of something that's got pressure and angle and, you know, speed and all that other stuff that uh, would normally affect something like, an, you know, an ink or a, a paintbrush or a pencil because all those factors vary how those behave in the real world you know if you take a ballpoint pen and run it real fast it you know the, the ink can't keep up so it turns into a real thin you know lightweight line but if you take a ballpoint pen and drive it really really slow it'll be a thick heavy line and you can do that sort of things with an active stylus and on the the flip side from you know what apple has come up with here which is a stylus that really only works with a select subset of their devices, and certainly not in any other company's devices, having this standard will be very nice, i.e. The, the big point is you can buy a stylus from a company that's not the same company that you bought the actual uh, tablet or computer from and be able to use it with it. So that's a nice uh, thing to see. So uh, it certainly makes sense, and in a world where you've got all sorts of different manufacturers making things, that's a really good thing for consumers that they've got a standard. It is, but of course, we'll you know it remains to be seen if anybody will actually pick the standard up and use it. It may just never actually get adopted anywhere. That's a great point. Uh, FCC Tuesday adopting new rules that it says will ensure wireless emergency alerts are used more effectively to notify the public about threats. First up, the FCC will require network operators that distribute such alerts to do so in a more geographically accurate and relevant area. So specifically, the FCC will mandate that providers deliver alerts to the target area specified by the alert originator with no more than a one-tenth of a mile overshoot. This improved geotargeting requirement will go into effect November 30th of 2019. Further, the FCC wants emergency messages to be more widely available to the general public. Messages must remain accessible to consumers on their devices for at least 24 hours after the initial receipt or until consumers choose to delete the message. So this is a, a consumer... Consumer, of course, can then later reference the message details after it's been initially viewed. Finally, the FCC will require carriers to support Spanish language messages up to 360 characters in length by May 1st of 2019. The U.S. Department of Justice and the Securities and Exchange Commission have launched investigations into Apple's treatment of older iPhones. Apple admitted in December that it uses software to reduce the performance of select iPhones in order to compensate for aging lithium-ion batteries. Apple did not immediately comment on word of the government agency's investigations. Again, for these battery things, it's like, uh, you know, the, 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 the fact that they kind of misdesign these devices is still something that's not really being, uh, you know, touted as what the big problem here. Now, if they were doing this, this software throttling after the battery was, you know, three, four, five years old, that makes sense, but not after the one year or less uh, that was occurring with these devices. Well, and I, we've talked about this, you know, over the last couple of shows, but, you know, the, the kind of this concept of, you know, what, 
in in a vacuum of what they were doing, um, it it can be easily explained away as non nefarious. But um, the, the, in real life, when people are using a device that they've spent six, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars on. And this is it's not acceptable for the battery to only function for one year and then for this type of uh, treatment to happen in order to make sure that the phone works. It's just there's a there's a a bigger issue that's at play here and uh, will be interesting to see how, um, you know, a government agency's investigation into something like this actually changes uh, what is what is going to ultimately happen with this. And so in the short term, we're going to see a version of iOS, uh, this 11.3 that will have options in it for turning off the battery performance throttling. And ultimately, uh, we believe that uh, that will uh, solve or they believe that will solve a lot of the issues. And I'm kind of we'll 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 watch and see how this plays out here, because I think what it's going to do is it's going to show just how, uh, you know, problematic this issue is. uh, And, uh, you know, for people that are able to then turn it off, we're going to start seeing their phones shutting down again. And then it's going to be an even bigger issue once again. It'll rear its head again, so to speak. Qualcomm this week said it has updated its global patent cross-licensing agreement with Samsung. Patents covering mobile devices and telecommunications gear. And as part of the deal, Samsung has agreed to withdraw legal complaints it filed against Qualcomm in South Korea. The two firms have also announced a renewed strategic relationship that will see them working together across a variety of product categories, including mobile devices and 5G. Financial terms of the new agreements were not disclosed. Apple this week reporting its quarterly results for its first fiscal quarter of 2018. The earnings report uh, that earnings reported was $88.3 billion in revenue and $20.1 billion in profits. That came from 77.3 million iPhones, 13.2 million iPads, and 5.1 million Macs. That compares to $78 billion in revenue and uh, just under $18 billion in profits from 78 million iPhones, 13 million iPads, and 5.3 million max in the same quarter a year ago. So similar numbers a year ago. Uh, Apple highlighting that its active install base reached 1.3 billion devices in January and guidance for the second quarter, uh, second fiscal quarter of 2018 expects that they will have revenue between 60 and 62 billion and gross margins between 38 and 38 and a half percent. During the call, CEO Tim Cook said that the Apple iPhone 10 was uh, has surpassed expectations and been the top-selling iPhone every week since it shipped in November. Apple says the iPhone 10, iPhone 8, and iPhone 8 Plus lineup brought in the highest revenue of any iPhone lineup in the company's history. Of course, the average selling price of the iPhone was up due to that iPhone 10. Uh, now the average selling price $796 compared to $695 in the year ago, period. And with Apple's earnings, uh, we now have a clear picture of how the year ended for the smartphone makers around the world. Apple's 77.3 million iPhones made it the top-selling smartphone in the world during the quarter. In Q4, Samsung shipped 74.7 million phones, 2.6 million fewer than Apple. Uh, Other vendors like Huawei and Oppo shipped far fewer at 41 million and 29.5 million devices, respectively. And while Apple came out on top in global smartphone shipments during the period, uh, Samsung continues to be the top vendor overall. Apple's share of the market was 19.3% in the quarter, compared to Samsung's 18.6%, but the overall market share in 2017 was 14.3% compared to Samsung's 21.1%, so about 50% larger for Samsung. And overall, global smartphone shipments declined year over year, falling from 438 million units in the fourth quarter of 2016 to 400 million units in the fourth quarter of 2017. 
According to Strategy Analytics, this 10% drop was the biggest annual fall in smartphone history. Over the course of 2017, though, smartphone shipments actually grew 1% and topped 1.5 billion units for the first time ever. So kind of going back to Apple a little bit here, uh, you know, some of the news this week was uh, kind of uh, maybe dire saying, you know, the, the, the Apple's going to be shipping even less iPhones and it's going to be, uh, it, it, it could start declining. And just as a strange uh, coincidence this week, uh, I was talking kind of with a group of coworkers and they all have, uh, have had iPhones for years and have really liked them. But there was three or four people that were just uh super frustrated with their iPhones. Uh, the software was annoying them. The price was really irritating them. They, they'd all said, not, not because of one another, but they had said, I am not going to buy another iPhone. I am done with them um, because they're so expensive and they, they're, they're, they're not holding up and they're, they're, they're not behaving that great. Uh, and they're, they're much more interested now in Android devices due to the price and due to the features that they're coming with now. And I have never heard anything like that before because most people are like, oh, I'm never leaving the iPhone. I love these iPhones. And uh, they, they were just not into them. So this could be the sign of things to come. It really could be. Interestingly, the I had a similar conversation this week with somebody who has an iPhone 6S and was asking me about mine and um, was telling me he charges his three times a day. Um, he talks, you know, literally hours, you know, five to six hours uh, on his phone a day. And so I thought, well, that's, you know, one of the big reasons that you're having to do that. Um, and then I realized that after it was a, quite a long conversation uh, and about an hour and a half in length. Um, my phone had only dropped about 9% battery. It was still at, it was, this was relatively early in the morning. And it's not, it's not uncommon for me to be at noon and the iPhone 10 to still be at 98 or 99% battery. And so this was, you know, middle of the morning. And uh, at the end of the call, I was still above 90%. And I thought, okay, so there's something to the battery, the new battery here, obviously a larger battery in the iPhone 10 as well that uh, could make it, uh, you know, a, a big difference for him. But he kind of was saying the same thing, like this is, you know, the, the quality is just not there anymore. The software, I, you know, I have all these problems. And it's always the weird things, right? Like people say, well, I have this thing where, you know, I, I tried to send a message and it didn't send. So I tried to send it again and then it showed up as like the person received it like two times. Or, well, I tried to send a message and it didn't send and then I couldn't get it or I didn't even realize it didn't send and then it sent like a month later and it was really you know embarrassing because it didn't want to go out or uh, among many things right there's all these little things my calendar doesn't sync or you know messages uh, I didn't get it for hours or a voicemail didn't show up or what there's all these weird software things that happen and as you know heavy users of these devices we almost uh, we're just watching for them or we can you know we can figure out ways around them we know when to reboot devices when they start to get flaky, uh, those types of things. And the average consumer just doesn't think about this stuff. All they realize is that the stuff doesn't work, and that's very frustrating. And a different coworker that wasn't in this conversation, uh, uh, her basically new iPhone 8, uh, she got it around the, like the third week that it came out. It, it uh, started rebooting uh, constantly, uh, almost constantly. Like every hour it would just uh, go back to the Apple screen or just shut off entirely. And uh, Apple did replace it because they couldn't even get past their diagnostics on it because it, it was it was so flaky. So there was definitely a hardware problem with it. Yeah. And, you know, these things happen, right? I mean, it's not like they don't, especially when you're talking about in a single quarter, 77 million iPhones being sold. There are going to be issues with them. However, you look for the reliability to be 
you know, above 99%, in fact, probably above 99.9%. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're dealing with, um, you know, other types of problems with this, which is, you know, a perception that the stuff is not going to work right. Absolutely. And now she is a little, she's had iPhone for years and years and years. Now she's a little skeptical and she wasn't trusting the phone. And she's like, this is my, you know, only form of communication now. And I've got to trust this thing. So now she's a little wary of it. Um, and then on the, uh, you know, now thinking another coworker had, um, uh, had successes basically with his whole family and was essentially forced to replace them this holiday season. Um, because they weren't working. They were rebooting. They were, the battery was lasting no time at all. That they were slow as heck. Um, and he ended up buying them new iPhone eights. And then of course they, right after Christmas, they announced, Oh, we're going to replace your batteries for $29. And the batteries are why these phones suck right now. And he is livid uh, about that thing. So now he's got brand new phones and all he would have needed to do is pay $29 to get him to work again. And he is really, really pissed off about, about that and is not happy. So the kind of the, the, you know, end game here, I think is that you're going to see more people, uh, you know, switching maybe than you have in the past. And, and I, and this, these are, you know, just two people talking to, you know, a handful of other people. Um, but my guess is that a lot of people listening to this are, are in a, either a similar situation or know people that are in a similar situation. And I'll be the first one to tell you that the iPhone 10 is probably the best iPhone that they've made. I think that the quality of it is fantastic. The feature set is great. The performance of it is very solid. I, I rarely have issues with it. I'm happy with iOS 11. All the things that you would expect from a brand new iPhone. That is not necessarily the perception that a lot of people have. And especially when it costs as much as it does, are you really interested in spending $1,000 on a handset when you can easily get one for half that price that is uh, going to give you the same type of functionality? And so I'm I'm not suggesting anything that I'm going to do uh, to change uh, anything anytime soon. But I think there's going to be a, there's going to be this groundswell that we're going to start to see more people, um, you know, that are going to potentially not be, uh, have as much of an allegiance to what they, the, the, the products that they've had and the companies that have provided that for them. So, um, and, and further, when you talk about this biggest um, fall, uh, you know, as far as year over year shipments, uh, down 10%. There's something to that as well, which is to say people, uh, at least 10% of people, are hanging on to their phones longer than they have in the past. Uh, smartphone shipments throughout the course of the year we mentioned grew 1%, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that when you you talk about the fourth quarter and especially that gift-giving season and people are, even if you hang on to it for another three months longer, it's still going to start to affect how uh, the distribution of devices goes. So a lot of a lot of different things, interesting things, and it's it's fascinating to watch this, especially when you're talking about stuff in the you know the realm of the billions of devices that are out there, and uh, small things can change and swing uh, some of the other numbers pretty wildly. Well, when AT and T launches 5G service, the first device that will be able to access it will not be a handset, but instead a puck. This is according to AT and T CEO Randall Stevenson who said getting the handsets uh, at scale penetrated into the market will slow things down. So we're going to be deploying pucks in the first 12 markets. So it's a mobile solution, but it's not going to be a handset because there aren't going to be that many 5G handsets available. AT&T expects to introduce that puck by the end of the year and with 5G handsets coming in 2019. Stevenson said AT&T's first net emergency network will help get its 5G network off the ground. The company is currently putting up towers in underserved areas around the country. AT&T has allocated Spectrum for first net for 
these towers. It will also deploy 39 gigahertz of spectrum from fiber tower on these same towers. AT&T is expected to launch millimeter wave service on these 39 gigahertz airwaves as well. Well, according to sources from Bloomberg this week, Verizon canceled all plans to sell handsets from Chinese maker Huawei due to pressure from the federal government. Verizon was slated to sell Huawei's flagship device, the Mate 10 Pro. AT&T also canceled plans to sell the Mate 10 Pro earlier this month. Verizon is kicking off new promotions this week, including one for customers who subscribed and or, and or upgrade to both the Verizon's unlimited wireless plan and a Fios gigabit connection plan. The combo will save customers $20 a month. That's $10 off wireless and $10 off the Fios. Verizon said customers will be able to keep the discount as long as they remain on both services. New and existing customers can get a Samsung Galaxy Note 8 for $200 less than normal price. And customers can save $50 on the JBL Link 10 speaker, as well as saving $30 on the LifePrint photo and video printer. The deals will only be available through February. Sprint on Monday followed AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon by offering free service to customers who travel to South Korea for the 2018 Winter Olympic Games. Sprint customers who travel to South Korea between February 1st and March 18th will have access to free high-speed data, voice, and texting. Sprint's global roaming service does not include free picture, audio, or video messaging. Sprint did not specify rates for sending such multimedia messages, uh, but customers will need to be on a postpaid plan. The free roaming will be awarded to Sprint customers through seven-day passes. The weekly pass normally costs $25, but as Sprint has said, they'll waive that fee during the games. Sprint announcing this week that it will use its 2.5 gigahertz spectrum holdings to provide the backbone for its upcoming 5G network. Planned to go live in the first half of 2019, the company is already hard at work on what it calls its next-gen network. Sprint plans to deploy 64T64R massive MIMO 2.5 gigahertz radios, which it says will increase capacity by as much as 10 times that of the current LTE systems. In addition to boosting data speeds, massive MIMO will support both LTE and 5G new radio services at the same time on the same towers. The company is already in the process of upgrading the towers and three major spectrum bands, i.e. the 800, 1.9 gigahertz, and 2.5 gigahertz spectrum. It also plans to build thousands of new cell sites as part of its densification project and hopes to deploy up to 1 million Sprint Magic Boxes. So these are small cells that will be uh, in 80,000 sites across 200 cities. They said we're working with Qualcomm and networks uh, and network and device manufacturers in order to launch the first truly mobile 5G network network in the U.S. in the first half of 2019. That's according to CEO Marcello Clare. Uh, and uh, Sprint competitors T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon have all committed to launching some form of 5G service sometime in 2019, though none has a nationwide footprint yet. Sprint has 160 megahertz of 2.5 gigahertz spectrum in the top 100 markets around the U.S. Sprint competitors are eyeing the spectrum bands uh, as well or other Spectrum bands as well, for their 5G networks. T-Mobile plans to use some of its 600 megahertz holdings. Sprint says chipsets and devices are also in the works, and they've come to an agreement with Qualcomm that they are going to have the be able to release uh, their disagreement by the end of uh, 2018 on the new chipsets. They said, we have also had conversations with leading Korean manufacturers, and it's basically to have the devices ready by the first half of 2019. Sprint expects to charge more uh, for its unlimited 5G service. Uh, they believe they have wiggle room and expect that the price, uh, with respect to price for its competitors, because it currently charges less for unlimited 4G service, in other Sprint news, the company said it added 256,000 postpaid customers during the fourth quarter of 2017, as well as 63,000 prepaid customers. 
that's you know that's a really interesting thing. I've never even really thought about the, the 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 marketing fact that they can say, well, now we've got 5G, not 4G anymore, so now we can charge more. And there's the hook for you know actually announcing a 5G network because you know you as a consumer you don't care what's going on. You just want fast data, right? Uh, who who cares what magic box they have sitting at the tower? But if they can create this magical 5G that's better than 4G, we can charge you more. It's another G. And, uh, you know, now I've got 20% more Gs, so maybe I should spend 20% more for the additional G. And, uh, you know, that it is a very interesting thing, especially if it's nationwide. Um, you know, they're going to be able to differentiate. And that's really what it's all about at this point, because all, you know, all of the networks are just trying to do whatever they can to make you think that the one is better than the other. And, um, you know, if you can get gigabit service on your phone. Is that interesting? Sure, it's interesting. Is it necessary? Yeah, maybe, maybe it isn't. But uh, either way, um, they're saying uh, by 2019, they'll have that uh, in deployment stages. So that is good news for them. T-Mobile has committed to moving uh, its business to 100% reliable, excuse me, renewable energy by 2021. This according to a press release on Monday. The company currently buys power from the wind-driven Red Forks Wind Power Project in Oklahoma, which went uh, online late last year. Today, T-Mobile said it will buy 160 megawatts from Infinity Renewables' Solomon Forks Wind Project in Kansas starting in 2019. Uh, These projects together will provide T-Mobile with 320 megawatts of power, or enough to cover 60% of its energy needs nationwide. To reach the goal of 100% renewable energy by 2021, they will also buy wind capacity each year to account for every unit of electricity it consumes. To cement the commitments, uh, T-Mobile has joined the RE100 Climate Group. Major businesses, including Google, Microsoft, and Facebook, already belong to RE100. T-Mobile will report its electric consumption to RE100 each year as it transitions to low-carbon power sources. In device news, Virgin Mobile on Monday said customers will be able to buy certified pre-loved iPhone 7 and iPhone 7 Plus handsets beginning in February. The company already sells the refurbished iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, and prices for the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus will range from $380 to $420. Virgin reiterates that certified pre-loved iPhones are tested and inspected, given a new battery, and include a one-year Apple warranty. Used handsets will also include new Apple EarPods and an Apple charger. The company is still offering six months of its Virgin Mobile Inner Circle service to port-ins for $1 per month for six months. After the initial six-month period ends, Virgin Mobile's Inner Circle costs $50 per month for unlimited talk, text, and data. And Apple has added refurbished units of the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus to its online stores. Refurbished iPhones are given a new battery, a new outer shell, and are certified by Apple. They carry the same one-year factory warranty available to new iPhones and can be protected via Apple Care. Savings vary between $50 and $70 off the cost of a compatible comparable that is new iPhone 7. For example, a refurbished iPhone 7 32 gig uh, cost $499, a new one $549. Uh, iPhone 7 Plus buyers will save between $70 and $80. The refurbished units are only available online, and they are sold unlocked and SIM-free. And following up on our conversation about the HomePod last week, Apple releasing its HomePod tech specs page this week with new audio sources uh, in a list of ways that the speaker can stream audio and also uh, provide some setting of the record straight. So uh, these services include Apple Music, iTunes Music, meaning music and or audiobooks purchased from the iTunes Store, the iCloud Music Library, including any songs imported from other sources such as CDs or with an Apple Music or iTunes Match subscription, the Beats One radio station, 
podcasts, and AirPlay, including audio from an iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Apple TV, and Mac, including the ability to do AirPlay 2 uh, when that is released later this year. The HomePod officially launches in stores and ships to customers this week, February 9th. LG this week adding new colors to its range of handsets. Uh, starting next month, the LG G6 will be available in Moroccan blue, lavender violet, and raspberry rose, while the LG Q6 will be available in the blue and violet colors. Both phones are available in astro black, ice platinum, mystic white, terra gold, and marine blue today. The new colors will go on sale in LG's home market of Korea first, with other markets to follow. In addition uh, to these colors, uh, recent reports say that LG may not introduce a new flagship handset during Mobile World Congress. Uh, as initially expected this month, but instead we'll do things like upgrade the memory and add colors to its existing lineup. And people who own one of Motorola's mod-compatible smartphones can get one of the five new style shells to snap on the back, uh, where, where the original shells were originally made from nylon. The new shells are made from Gorilla Glass 5. Uh, each of, has a unique pattern and is compatible with the Moto Z2 Force, Z2 Play, and other Motorola handsets. They cost $29 each and are available from Motorola's online store. In software news, several months after the iPhone X's release, Google has finally updated its Google Voice application to support the new screen resolution. This means Google Voice is no longer letterboxed on the iPhone X and makes use of all the all-screen display. Uh, this week's update brings Google Voice to version 2.13. It is a free app, and the service is free to use. Samsung Monday said its Samsung Pay mobile payment service is now available in Mexico. According to Samsung, its touch-and-go payment tool is accessible in 20 markets around the world, including the U.S. Samsung Pay makes use of both NFC and MST to connect to retail payment terminals. It gives it an advantage over services that only use NFC, such as Apple Pay and Android Pay. In order for Samsung Pay to function in Mexico, the company partnered with a number of credit card issuers, including American Express, MasterCard, and Visa, as well as local banks, including uh, a HSBC and Santander. Uh, Samsung Pay supports credit cards, debit cards, and loyalty cards and programs. It can be secured via iris recognition or fingerprint. Transactions are tokenized in order to maintain security. And Samsung Pay is available on many of Samsung's top-tier handsets, such as the Galaxy S8 and Note 8. Essential Products said this week via its Twitter account that it will not update the Essential phone to Android 8.0 Oreo. Instead, it intends to update the handset directly to Android 8.1. The company said it discovered several reliability issues in Android 8 that gave it cause for concern. It will instead focus its efforts on Android 8.1 expects to release the Android 8.1 beta early next month and will go from there. HMD Global, on the other side, is delivering Oreo to owners of the Nokia 5 and Nokia 6 smartphones. Android 8 Oreo includes notification dots, picture-in-picture, quicker boot times, and autofill passwords, uh, as well as the January 2018 security patch. HMD Global said the update will roll out in phases over the next few weeks. In other Oreo news, OnePlus on Wednesday began pushing Oxygen OS 5.0.2, which includes Android 8 Oreo and the OnePlus 5, to the OnePlus 5T handset. OnePlus says Oxygen OS 5.0.2 updates the file manager, weather, and gallery applications and boosts the launcher to version 2.2. According to OnePlus, some users will see the update right away, with most receiving it within the next week. Samsung Wednesday advising those who use its Samsung cloud service that it will no longer back up data from third-party applications. Starting this week, February 6th, the company will only back up information stored in Samsung-branded applications, including contacts, calendar, internet, notes, photos, videos, music, and documents. It will also store backups of the home screen, 
app installation files and settings. But after the change, you will not be able to back up app data and restore it from a previous backup on Samsung Cloud. Any existing data from previous backups will also be deleted immediately, explains Samsung. Users who need to back up app data should do so by using the smart switch on the, or the backup and restore functionality of each uh, third-party application if available. Samsung did not provide a reason for making the change. And Google this week improving its Google Flights tool by adding the ability to predict flight delays. The company is pairing historical flight data with machine learning algorithms to determine delays before the airline itself can. Google said it will only flag delays when it is 80% confident that the flight will be postponed. People can simply search for their flight by number or route and see information regarding the flight's timeliness. In another update to Google Flights, the tool will now provide people with more information about fares, such as whether or not they include baggage fees or the ability to select seats when booking. The tool is first available to Delta, American, and United. The new features are built into the latest version of Google Flights. And Google made its over-the-top video streaming service, YouTube TV, easier to access from TV sets thanks to their dedicated set-top box applications. Owners of the Apple TV and select Roku streaming devices will find the new YouTube TV application and service available directly from their TV box. YouTube TV launched during the second quarter of 2017 and only supported television sets via casting from mobile devices. YouTube TV is available on more than 100 markets around the country, offering live TV and unlimited online DVR access. Content is limited to about 50 channels, though several premium add-ons such as HBO are available for an additional monthly fee. Questions and comments this week. Just one. It comes from Jeremiah, and he says, Following up uh, on my question and your discussion from last week, the issue with LTE and its low reception uh, in my area is the problem as you described. Disabling LTE resolves the issue. I get all four bars of 4G, which is fine, although a lot slower than LTE. I have an iPhone 7 Plus, but will be upgrading to uh, but we'll be upgrading to later this year so I can deal with a minor problem for me uh, for a few more months. Regards, Jeremiah. Yeah, that's really interesting that you discovered that really it is the LTE radio that's doing this. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't maybe hurt to try to go to Apple, even though the device may not be under warranty anymore, to go to them and say this is actually happening. They may replace it for you uh, out of warranty without charge. It would be nice uh, if that were the case. So who knows what's actually going to, uh, you know, what will happen and what they'll say with it. But um, a device that's only a year old or you call it, you know, at the most 18 months old at this point. Um, you know, perhaps they would, uh, they can see in the diagnostics what's actually happening, um, or maybe they'll find something else and, or maybe you'll just get the right person and they'll replace it for you. But if you've got an Apple store close to you, uh, it's probably worth the appointment just to stop in, have them check it out and see if they can do anything for you. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or give us a call 650-999-0524 and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at the cell phone junkie.com.